Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. We're happy. We're very, very happy. And why are we happy, boys? Because Watford have just earned promotion back to the big time. That's right. We're in the Premier League, boys. We're in the Premier League. I've never seen you this happy before, man. The, the happiest of all of us. I, I, I was expecting more of a more of an emotion there. I was, I was like, at least a woo. Come on, come on. Celebrate oh, good times. Come on. <laughs> Celebrate good so times. How many of how many you have in our excitement? I'm probably yeah. on my third right now, but it's okay. It's okay. Although they, they do call me two point Matt for a reason, so <laughs> I'm just gonna put that one out there. You haven't got the usual structure you're used to at this at this point, have you? I, I, I've yeah, I've lost my structure. I've, I've, all, <laughs> all my questions have gone out the window. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm just so happy. I'm so happy. Oh. And I didn't even get to watch the game live either because I was commentating somewhere else. So I, I've I'm, I, I've watched a couple of moments, but I don't care. I don't even care. Watford have won and we're back in the Premier League. But I suppose we should probably uh, calm ourselves down. Let's calm ourselves down. Um, okay, Jordan, let's let's go straight to you. Um, how was the actual? How was the actual game? How 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 was the performance today? I mean, it wasn't our best performance, was it? It, it was. It was definitely considerably, I'll say over the whole 90 minutes, it wasn't as good as a performance against Norwich. Um, it, it was good 15, open, opening 15, solid. We we looked pretty threatening, but after the goal, I thought we really kind of tailed off a little bit. And then after that, it was trying to just kind of contain Millwall as they grew into the game. Uh, it was a tough one, really, but it, it felt like that second half lasted. Honestly, it felt like after we scored, it was that last minute of the game, you're holding out. Even if that wasn't literally the case on the pitch, it felt like a long, long game to watch. Um, but in terms of breaking stuff down, you know, it's it's, it's kind of hard because you're watching that one just from a different perspective. You're not really. It's hard to analyze a game that you have that that feeling about. And I thought, I don't know. I'm just relieved, man. I, I don't even know what to say on it. To be honest with you. Uh, and, and Tom, that 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 game is massive. Not just because Watford won, but of course because financially. Watford could have been crippled by a second season in the championship. Do you know what? Just to sort of just finish Jordan's point off there, we, we try and be a bit more analytical on this podcast uh, if we if we possibly can and add something to the debate right normally, but that is our kind of MO. But I think days like today, you just, it's intangible, isn't it? It's, it's the pure kind of emotion of it and and the joy that it brings but yes as you rightly say the the ramifications are huge because in a in an ordinary season getting relegated is potentially ruinous you know very few clubs make it back up immediately and 
the the knock on effect of not you know being at that Premier League uh, trough, you know having your snout in the trough is huge. But in a year like we just had, and then the end of lot, you know whatever it was, however long there was left of last season, was it six, seven, eight games by the time project restart happened? Uh, without supporters going to the grounds and so on and so forth. And, you know, who knows when we'll actually get back up to a full kind of 20,000, you know, uh, supporters in the grounds. It's it's even bigger, isn't it? It's, it's, it's even more significant. So it's it's from that point of view, it's absolutely huge. But I don't want to fixate on that because it is the intangibles. It is the kind of the, the, the what it means to us as supporters. And I, I, I when we got relegated, I thought, do you know what? Good riddance. Screw the Premier League. I was bored of that. Sort of tr- trying to survive every season and, and and little more, trying to get those seven, eight, nine wins, whatever it is, to stay up. Boring. Let's get back to the Championship. Let's get back to trying to play for something that was actually attainable and what have you. But after a year in the Championship, and I can safely say this, the Premier League is where it is at. The Championship's a great league in its own right, but it just, and this probably sounds stupid, it just feels less significant and less important doesn't it you're not on match a day people don't really know what's going on you know non-Watford supporters at work don't really know what's going on with you apart from kind of Troy Deeney stuff I think um, maybe a bit of a smile of star chat uh, and you know it feels like you're back in the big time doesn't it so mm. you know championship is fantastic league and you know for most of my Watford sporting life we've been a, a second tier team but just being back after a season away is, is just so, so important. So I'm, I'm absolutely you, thrilled. You can't underestimate how massive of a job it is to come back on the first time of asking to. I mean, when when we were kind of in that relegation battle, when we did get relegated, I know there was a fairly large section. I mean, we gained this, this off Twitter, which is obviously a kind of a smaller sample size in some ways, but there were a, a decent number of people that kind of had that feeling of, oh, we can go down, we can get relegated, we can reset, bring the youngsters through. But, you know, that was not a high probability of that happening, really. When you look at the competition that's around you, it's not the best level of quality in the championship that it's been in recent years this season. But, I mean, coming down, getting relegated, overcoming that from a mental perspective and a physical, with actually having the personnel, the fact that we actually managed to pull that off it's just such a, it's a massive achievement and despite the fact that we had the quality in the squad undoubtedly but you know we had a lot to overcome and for a good portion of the season I think we were somewhat resigned to thinking of ourselves as a playoff team um, there's definitely been some ups and downs on, on the pitch and we've just managed to put it off and it's, it's such an achievement I think everyone deserves a lot of credit both on and off the pitch there and yeah, it's just huge, isn't it? As, as Tom's saying there, it means so much. And if there's there's not a worse year to get relegated than last year, if there is, it's this year. Uh, and there's probably not a better year to get promoted than this one ever in the history of the competition. So mm. to go up now is so important. And obviously we're going to have a, a good go at staying up and we feel like we're quite confident we can, we've can. we got owners that can, can make the changes and bring the right people in to, to do so and give us the best chance. But even if you're just looking at it from an isolated, isolated perspective of this season such a big boost for the football club as a whole so yeah just that's a, that's why it's a relief too it's not just getting over the line you know how much it means to to so many people there uh, including ourselves as fans so it, it's it's definitely a special one it feels like we've made it really easy but actually what jordan said there about kind of the timing of when we got relegated and and some of the sort of things we had to deal with you know how many players i think matt one of the first episodes of this pod that you did you had me on and we talked about, you know, it was in pre-season. I think it might have been after the Spurs win, in pre- the Spurs draw in pre-season. Was that a win or a draw? I can't even remember. It feels we so won. long ago. But we, the, won, I guess. we did win. 
Move we, on, move on. We, what I was going to say was that I, in preparation for that, I wrote out the squad list and I was like, how many of these are realistically going to be around in a month's time? You know, And I've had in my head question marks against about 12 or 13 of them. And actually, whether it was good kind of um, squad kind of building or whatever from, from the ownership or whether it was the pandemic and clubs could just simply couldn't afford Ishmael Asar, obviously, simply couldn't afford to prize these guys away from us or they took a calculated decision or, you know, all of those things to keep as many of those players as they did because, you know, it's a whole different story, isn't it? If you don't keep Saar, if you don't keep Feminia, if you don't keep Joao Pedro and, you know, so I'm sure there are others that I can't think of. Will Hughes, Nathaniel Chalabar, you know, at different times, they've all been so important, I think, haven't they? There's not been one outstanding guy, like, in my mind, that you pin this on and say they've dragged us along. Ismail is probably the closest but as a collective, they've all. There's been different points for all of them, I think, or a lot of them this season. Yeah. Well, then you say that though, Tom. But um, Watford did lose some big players ahead of this season. I mean, they they lost Gerard Delafay, who is a massive player. They lost Abdullah Dukure. Um, I mean, Etienne Capou. Massive. He. Yep. Uh, Etienne <laughs> Capou left halfway through the season. I mean, they did lose some big names, but the thing is, the the players they had in the squad that perhaps weren't those first team guys have stepped up. They've stepped up to the plate. They've taken their chance. Um, Jao Pedro was definitely one of those. I mean, I think he was being, you know, groomed to be the the next sort of cab off the rank, if you like, but he certainly wasn't a, a, a starter last season. Uh, Nathaniel Chalabar probably wasn't playing his best football last season. Um, these guys have, have come in and they've, they've done the job. They've, they've, you know they've got their boots dirty and and they've really put it in for for the they really put a shift in for the for the team and um i think we need to give them some credit as well because a lot of outside lookers will will say oh you know you kept your best players you know you've still got Troy Deeney you know you've still got Saar okay to be fair Saar had a big part in it and and Deeney played his part there as well but i think a lot of this season has been about the guys that weren't playing last season that have got their mm. chance and, and taken it with both hands. This all comes down to assessment of your assets too, doesn't it? Um, I think it's. I think we have to we, we have to accept, and I think we, a lot of us do. We took some gambles in the summer and in January too. Um, we allowed some players to leave, and we had to make those decisions. We had to raise some capital, and we tried to find the best balance of doing so uh, in terms of letting the likes of Estepanyan, Suarez go, and that maybe lets us sort of give us the ability to retain some others in the likes of Ishmael Asar and even Jao Pedro, there was talk of clubs being interested there too. So we, we took some risks, but they paid off. Um, we also took some risks by not kind of getting that left-back situation properly sorted too. Um, but again, it paid off. And these are the gambles you take. And I think we tried to take some of these similar gambles in the Premier League and the, the season we got relegated and they didn't pay off. Uh, in some particular areas we didn't strengthen and you know this is the, this is the kind of things you have to work with you can't always you're never going to have a 100% perfect uh, squad in, in every team wants to have two players in every position of similar quality they can bring in and bring out the team but the realities are it's very difficult to do that and I think considering all things considered I thought we did a pretty good job um, of restructuring that squad and we wanted it to be younger coming into this season we wanted to freshen it up um, and we had to kind of look at the players we have available to us, players we can bring over from Udinese or uh, players we can even loan out in the opposite direction to and find a way of balancing everything out. And that's the real that was the real struggle of the off-season. And when you look at it now with the kind of hindsight that we have, you can say it was you know, a job well done. It was maybe a little bit harder to decide at the time. And obviously, it's still very close. It could have gone a different way. 
um, with just a few different two, few different results, and we could be looking at a different situation. But we took that gamble, and it's paid off. Uh, I think that, I think the club now have a quite a good understanding of what they have on their hands in terms of personnel too. So it puts us in quite a good situation when it comes to recruiting in the summer as well, because we kind of know we know what we are now. We've we've got a good understanding of a lot of those players in that team because a lot of them, most of them, have played somewhat of a part this season. Jordan, when Ivic was sacked, Watford were fifth, and people outside of Watford probably didn't really understand why Watford had, had made that decision. But the Hornets weren't in a good place. The football under Ivic was was okay, but it, it certainly wasn't good enough. Uh, it wasn't up to our standards anyway. And considering the squad that he had at his disposal, it, it felt as though he wasn't getting the best out of that team. When Zisco came in, the project for him was... Well, a massive one, really. But he's really managed to deliver. He's done a fantastic job, especially considering he didn't have too much experience. How big a uh, a win is this for for Zisco? Not not today, but the the whole season since he's come in. I mean, it's massive, isn't it? It's it's a massive achievement in his career to do it so early on in his managerial career. Is is huge for him, and I think it you know it shows it shows what a character you can be and, and how the players feel about him. You can see that it kind of. It's, inf- it's, it's infectious, isn't it? The kind of that the positivity the players have towards the coach. Um, I think what was important for us, especially at the stage that that Shishko came in, I think probably what was important for us is that we changed the energy around the club because there was there was somewhat of a negative feel, wasn't there, after kind of carrying on from Ivic and I don't think Ivic is a bad coach at all. I, I I do think he's a good coach, but clearly the fit wasn't what we needed at that time. It, it didn't work out how we planned, and. We have the quality in the squad. I think the most important thing was, can you get a positive mentality out of that squad? Because if you put the players out there and you give them a little bit of freedom, you know they've they've got the quality to overpower teams. And we saw that once once Shishka was able to change things. Because early on, it was it was tough for Shishka, wasn't it? He had some some early games that were very very similar to what we saw under Ivic. Mm. Um, but once that freedom was given to them. And, and they started to have had that positive energy around the results that were coming in. And there seemed to be just such a good feeling in the club. It just snowballed from there in the, in the right direction. Yeah. So for him, it's absolutely huge. It's huge for the players. Um, and we've talked about numerous times in this podcast before about that that somewhat somewhat frail um, confidence we've had in the past where it feels like we've had these glimpses of, of being you know, better than we hoped. And I think the players always felt that they were maybe exceeding those expectations a little bit too and never really had the, the belief in themselves at some points. You know, we talk about the FA Cup run. Um, there, there were some fragile moments there and that final, I think, really hurt them a lot. But now I do think there's a lot to kind of build upon and the squad can be pretty pretty content and pretty happy with the job they've done and knowing that they've worked for it. It's not these wins off one-off games. This is a This is a marathon of a season. And they've come together and they've put in the performances and, you know, everyone's contrib- everyone's got a piece of it in that squad. So for me, I think you, you put yourself in a really good situation going into the next year. You've got a few changes to make and a few adjustments to make. Um, but if you're talking about positives, then I think the players the players and the manager can take a ton from from this season and today. Yeah. Tom, Tom, the real difference really came when Zisco decided to change the formation. That's what really got Watford moving in the right direction. The players really adapted well to that new formation that he brought in. Yeah, they did. And do you know what? I've the, the the horrible cynical part of me has always wondered, was it, you know, was it him and his staff sitting down saying, right, how are we going to solve this? Was it someone, you know, higher up, uh, Gino Scott, whoever it may be, whoever the technical director is, I can't even remember these days, 
say, you know, having a quiet word in his shell? Or was it the players getting together and saying, right, what are we going to do? Let's tell him, you know, this is what we need to do. Or was it a combination of all those, whatever it was? But I, I don't think it was abundantly clear that that was the way forward necessarily was it to, to, to me at least I wasn't th- sitting there thinking I wasn't sitting there thinking and maybe this is because I'm a you know tactically on the kind of Harry Redknapp end of the spectrum than Pep Guardiola but <laughs> I wasn't sitting there going for crying out loud man it needs to be 4-3-3 it needs to be Will Hughes deep as those midfielders and that will sort it out you know and, and like I say I'm quite happy to sit here with the dunce cap on and, and, and everyone else can go oh I thought that but you know good on you but it wasn't abundantly clear to me. So whatever they, however they got to that conclusion, they deserve some credit because the, the, the obvious thing was something needs to change, right? But they could have got it. He could have got it wrong. They could have got it wrong, and it could have, you know, been just carried on, and, and something had to change. And at the time of that uh, Coventry game up at Birmingham, and I tweeted February the eighteenth, he's got to go, or the club have got to make a change. It's not going to improve over the next six games. We can't afford to waste another four, five, six games waiting for him to, um, you know, change things. Fair play. He changed it the next game, didn't he? And maybe we were a little bit lucky. It was Bristol City at that point who were in just diabolical form, had players missing left, right and centre and was sort of, you know, low-hanging fruit for us. But since then, you know, you can't you can't fault it really, can you? They've been, they've been excellent and it, it's the moment that the whole season hinges on, I think. And, you know, fair play to the Pozzo, uh, to, to the Pozzo, to Gino and Scott and what have you. You know, they've been quick to make changes in the past and there's always been strong leadership but sometimes I guess strong leadership is is not kind of bowing to the the, the pressure and, and making a change and they got the reward haven't they mm. I'm not sure if that I answers mean, the question you actually asked to be no honest, it's, it's good enough it's good enough Tom <laughs> it's good what enough what was the actual <laughs> question because I've kind of forgotten what yeah, the question I was now. I mean the question the question was about the formation and how well he's, he did to uh, yeah. you know to to be bold and brave and, and realise that there needed to be a change and he did it and, and yeah, I think you answered that pretty well Tom well I think too just, just touching on that formation as well I think if you if you go back and watch some of the highlights of that Coventry away that was a game that I really feel like that was just it was it was dire and if we'd have continued in that vein we wouldn't have gotten anywhere would we it was it was so so poor um, and so the formation switch obviously helped massively um, I think it's just the impetus behind that too. There was it wasn't just the change of formation; it was a change of philosophy too. If you you could stick with the four foot, it's not about the kind of setup of players as such. It's not it's not necessarily just about having three in midfield or kind of those wide men that can advance a little bit further forward and one striker. It's about how you play within that system. You could play with a. We've seen ourselves playing a four foot two under Javi Gracia, and it doesn't have to be defensive, and it can be, you know, extremely attacking. It's all about how you kind of give the, the instructions you give the players in that situation and. The four four two, I think, with Troy up front too, we did have a tendency to play early in Detroit. It's very, it's also very difficult for us to know exactly, um, exactly what the kind of balance is between coach instructions and player execution. How much is the players kind of panicking or, or doing what they're kind of more comfortable with as opposed to doing what they're asked to do, or is it a balance of the two? There's loads of factors we can't kind of see. The majority of a manager's and head coach's job is done off the pitch. We only get to see that fraction of his job come out on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock and you get to see him, you get to interpret some certain things and try and work out what went right and what went wrong. But that's always a difficulty when it comes to judging coaches for positive and negatively. Um, but I think when you say about formation, that was the catalyst, wasn't it? If you think about moments in this season that kind of pushed us towards the edge and moments you can say where, if you're looking back at this season as a whole and you're trying to pick out them individual moments, you look at Bristol City 
uh, as a as a turning point, a catalyst. You look at Cardiff, yeah. last minute winner. You look at the Bournemouth game as well. You know, it's a loss, but it felt like it sparked something in the players again. Uh, and you look at all these points along the way, and I think, I think it takes a certain head coach to to kind of capitalise on those situations. I think Shishko did that, uh, and it's just work that we we haven't been quite able to see from our situation. But what what you can what you can interpret and what you can tell is the way the players feel towards the coach, and and that's not for no reason. Mm. You can't imagine that if just imagine in an alternate, you know, in another in another dimension and on an alternate timeline that somehow they went up under Ivic. You somehow can't imagine them throwing him up and down on the pitch at the end of the season, can you? And, and soaking him in champagne. It's just, you know, it had been in spite of him rather than because of him. I'm picturing a neutral expression on Ivic's face. Yeah, exactly. Well. <laughs> yeah, no, that wouldn't happen. I mean, those celebrations, though. I mean, it was bittersweet, wasn't it? Because. I was I was so happy for them and and they looked like they were really enjoying themselves and it was lovely to see but the fans would have absolutely loved to have been there inside Vicarage Road and yeah. it's a moment that's been stolen from in in in, in some ways and you know it's a moment we'll never get back but I I sort of just want to give a little bit of praise here to to the Hive Live team and how well they've done all season to be honest and how they mm. tried to to get the fans engaged in what must have been a very tricky mm-hmm. you know, season for them, really, because they've had to try and keep that engagement, despite the fact that for the majority of the season, fans haven't been allowed in, in the stadium. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the community kind of as a whole, Watford fans just kind of online and stuff. I mean, again, Twitter's kind of the main place we operate, but I feel like it's been... It's been a real positive during this lockdown phase. And part of that is because obviously we've had some positive results and it's a promotion season, so you're naturally going to have some positivity around it. But I think it's been a good outlet for people uh, in, in this time. Mm. And I think it's been something that people can rally around as somewhat of a distraction. And I just I, I just think that just even though the fact we weren't there, it obviously ha- it obviously it sucks you weren't there. Like you, you think about that, that moment today, how good that would have been to be at Vicarage Road and obviously you wish that you were able to be, but there's something unique about the situation we're all in. Mm. Um, because it's not that, you don't have that fear of missing out because you couldn't make it to the game because you had other obligations. It's everyone wasn't there. So yeah. you kind of you kind of congregate in other areas and that happens to be an online space right now or, or the podcast, what we're doing and stuff. This stuff might not have even come about if, if it wasn't for the pandemic in some ways. And it, it does suck that we weren't there, but there's been positives to take from it just in a different way than what you'd expect. So I think I don't think I'd look back on this season necessarily think negatively about not being there and how disappointing that was. I actually think it's kind of positive to think about how it's been in, in terms of, you know, speaking to other people. And I don't know, I just feel like it's been a, a bit different year, but there's definitely been a lot to take from it. I don't really know. I, I can't remember what the question was either now. But... <laughs> yeah. Did either of you watch the uh, the Hive Live Extra when um, they got Scott Duxbury up there with, with Chris Stark? No, unfortunately not. Didn't see oh. that. No, I didn't, didn't know anything about that. It was great to watch because it, 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 Scott Duxbury kind of, you know, his, his veil almost slipped for a bit and he was able to actually let loose and, and be a fan for a moment there. And uh, it yeah. was it was quite nice to see. And, he, you know, one of the things he said was that uh, this promotion was, was harder than the last one um, and, mm. and it was more mm. important than the last one. And it felt like, you know, it was... It was it was a, a really pivotal moment for, for for Watford, and I have to agree with him. Do you I've see him real... praying before kickoff? 
No, I didn't. Did you see him? Burn? Yeah, there's. Uh, see, I'm not sure. I watched it on uh, on design, so the the camera kind of switched to him. He literally had his hands clutched together, eyes closed, and he was mouthing the prayer out before kickoff. Really? Wow. And they That's kept cutting. They kept. I'm not sure if they did in your stream, but they kept cutting to him during the game, and he was pacing up and down the director's box the whole time. It was it was one of the highlights of the game for me, actually. But it means such. It means so much, and for Duxbury too. I mean, let's be honest. He had a rough fans for him. Uh, that, yeah, when, when even was what I can't remember what part of the season that was. Now I know Ivic was there, so it was Ivich must was have there. been October November time. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that was such that felt difficult to come back from, even though it, even though we we're kind of around the right area of the, of the table we wanted to be at the time. I think we've really done a full one eighty um, this season. We we felt at certain times of the season, I think the fan base felt quite disconnected from the club, even more so because. Because of everything that's going on, you, we literally physically were disconnected from the football club. Um, I think everyone was kind of craving a little bit more of that. And then we've kind of turned it around. I think everything has gone in a more positive direction. And to end the season that way is massive. And to see that at the end too with, with Duxbury and Gino there is, you know, it's huge. I didn't get to listen to that, to that interview, but I'll be curious to see it back now that I know it exists. It was it was funny because it um, Chris Stark was saying that, that Scott Duxbury texts him all the time. And I just I I can't imagine that relationship between between Chris Stark, <laughs> Radio One DJ, and and Scott Duxbury. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, hey, if it, if it works, it works. But yeah. I quite like the club sharing that little screen grab that's been going around all season. I want to obviously keep this as a positive podcast, but the you know we'll do rest assured we'll do everything in our power to get the club promoted again. Now, do you know, I thought you know what. For the crap they've taken, look, I've been as negative as anyone at times, hopefully not throughout. They deserve to have that little bit of kind of clap back at people a little bit because as as you rightly said, I can't remember if it was Jordan or Matt, apologies, but this, this, oh, sorry, no, it wasn't. It wasn't either of your points. One of you said it, it was Scott Duxbury, wasn't it? That this is harder. And you're absolutely right because before we had that momentum, didn't we? Year on year, it's sort of, apart from the year where we were really crap and finished 13th, it felt like, right, just getting there, getting there, getting there. This will be the year. But to go, to get relegated and then have to start up again, it's almost like stalling and, you know, trying to get up to 60 again very quickly. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's so difficult for all the reasons we've, we've mentioned. So they, I've no doubt in my mind that they've been trying to do the right thing all along. Well, just and that's the thing, like when, you, when you're building that time, when you're building over the course of years, something like Brentford have been trying to do, it, Brentford have to get promoted soon because they've been built, they're almost three years behind where we were in terms of our promotion run over that course of three years or so. Um, to, to like not, to not get that is, is, is so damaging. And for us, you know, we, we kind of got up in, in that season in 2014 and we, you know, we, we built towards that over the, over numerous years. Um, but then this year was so hot. You, you come down, you've got one season, you have to get back. There's no time to build over three years. It's, it's now or never. You, you need to win straight away. And it's, it's extremely tough to do so. But the fact that we found a way, I mean, do you feel like luck plays some part in it? Because it does, but it's... Mm. I mean, we just had to do it. Only only three teams are going up this year and every single team in that league needs to go up. So the fact that we're one of those three, you just can't complain. Um, right, okay, so we can now start looking ahead to next season. Uh, where do the preparations need to start? There's so many different things. I can't begin to, 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 to get it out, but I suppose the first thing that people will naturally look at, because it's the most exciting thing, probably, in a in, in a period when there's no Watford games, is who is going to be in that Watford team? Mm. Yeah, I mean it's a massive one to get sorted, isn't it? I think I think we're talking about what we're going to be looking at first. Now, just in general, guys, with if, if you listen to this, we're we're going to be talking about these these subjects 
broadly, but these are all things we're going to be covering in the summertime as they become more apparent and as you know things are developing in the in these areas. These are big discussion points that we're trying to cover just kind of quickly and talk. Yeah, these these are the this is exactly these are the sorts of things that keep us in the Premier League next season. Um, we're talking about the final details of these things we won't be able to get deep into it but obviously we're talking kind of a broader level now but and this is main this this mainly comes out about because uh how many twitter messages have you received asking you this question along this along these lines jordan first thing on everyone's lips after the after the whistle was blown right who are we keeping who's getting yeah. out who are we who are we bringing yeah. in <laughs> well that and that's what everyone wants to know of course and i understand that that's signing players is obviously the next step but or a step in, in, in our off-season, a big step in our off-season. I think the first thing we have to kind of look at is re-signing what we have, right? Where do we need to where do we need to re-sign? Uh, and you look at the contracts of expiring. We've talked about this in, in the previous podcast. We kind of went to that list and had a look, didn't we? And I think the first one that comes out to us is obviously Will Hughes. So I think I think you're looking at those sorts of things, that what you can do in-house first, because all, all, everything else is going to take that preparation. It's going to take a l- little bit of time. But what we what we can have and what we can do reasonably quickly is try and re-sign those that we need to we need to extend we need to extend Will Hughes, uh, Nathaniel Chalaber even can you turn the music off please Tom, um, <laughs> Nathaniel Chalaber uh, uh, you know these are players we have to be looking at um, and I, I'm sure that that these conversations have been on the cards uh, and been at, on the table these sorts of contract discussions and have just been holding off until um, our our league position is is decided and now it's decided. You know, we've got that luxury of a little bit of extra time. Then two weeks that we have before the season ends. You know, it's only two weeks, but in the world of football, that's that's a long time to get things done. So yeah, contract-wise, uh, Will Hughes definitely a big one to sort out. I suppose we've also got to ask ourselves the question: even though Ishmaelia so has quite a lot of uh, time left to run on his contract, has this season awoken the Giants to um, to you know how good he is, and and will he even? be with us in the Premier League next season or will he be playing for a different team in the Premier League next season? He's made all the right sounds about staying, hasn't he? All the right sort of noises in the, in the last few weeks if report these reports had kind of be believed. I think there's a lot there's a high likelihood he leaves, right? At this stage, you would you would reasonably assume that the clubs that were evidently partially convinced by him last summer and, and you know, Man United and Liverpool with the names, weren't there? I think mostly Crystal Palace as well. It's not going to Palace were, now, is he? <laughs> bloody hope not. That's not um, happening now, is it? <laughs> fingers crossed. Uh, you know, if they were prepared to make an offer, albeit unsatisfactory in our view, last summer, you would reasonably assume after a year where he has done so well, you know, they will be circling again. But I don't think the the standpoint the club will change, will it? And it's all going to come down to the kind of financial health of those clubs. Watford are now stronger than ever financially, as we touched on at the start of this pod. So unless there's a big, fat, juicy profit on the whatever it is we paid for him, somewhere between 30 and 40 million is the kind of reported figure, he stays. And I don't know if those clubs can reach that money. Well, I, I, I also feel like that, that, that money has jumped up a bit since, because we're now a Premier League club and not a championship one. So I think... Probably we're looking at more like forty to fifty than 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 thirty to forty. I don't think there's a team in the league that wants him enough to pay what he's worth to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the financial situation, it, you know, it cancels each other out because the, the the selling club wants even more than the value because they want that extra. They want that extra capital. They need as much money as possible. They want to bring in that extra money. The buying club want to spend as little as possible. 
So I, I just don't see a deal materializing unless someone, unless a buying club makes a poor a poor decision financially for me. Um, I, I think you keep him this year. I, he he's also he's an he's an insurance too. Because if he if he did go up and got relegated next year and you sold him that summer, he's a you know he's a decent chunk of financial fair play the next year because his value is going to stay. His value is going to stay pretty high. He's still at a good age. He's not going to go out to Premier League and have a terrible season. His value is not going to diminish to a point where you're not going to be able to make some profit off of him. So if you're if you're Watford, I don't see the motivation in selling him uh, unless you're getting an astronomical fee, which I can't see coming in. If it does, then great, sell him, um, because ultimately we're trying to we're trying to progress as a football club, and one player doesn't doesn't make that on his own. You have to be able to sell these assets at, at the right time. You don't want to hang on for longer than needed. And you know we all love Ishmael Assar. We don't want to see him leave, but if the if the situation was was right to do so, then that's what we'd have to do. But this season, I think it's very unlikely. I think if we're talking about Ishmael Assar going now, that's a that's a, a next season um, issue, or um, it could be a positive too, uh, depending on the situation. Because also too, we're a club. You have to remember as well, we're a club that we're always looking for new talent. And at this stage of our growth as a team, as a club, we can now look at last year as a blip. The relegation season can can be a blip, and it can be it can be a mistake that we made, and we've managed to recover from it by getting our, our Premier League status back without too much change too much changing. I don't think we're going into the squad uh, sorry into the new season with a particularly weaker squad than what we had in our last Premier League season. We can make some adjustment adjustments, and we can start again. But a big part of what we do is bringing over talent and and selling them on uh, for financial gain to give us that room to keep growing as a team. And Ishmael Assar will eventually be one of those players, but I don't think it'll be this season. What do you think is the is the number one position that Watford would need to look for to make sure that their Premier League season is, is a decent one? There's probably two that I kind of... Well, actually, it's probably more than two. <laughs> if, I, if I was just to say one off the top of my head, I'll go with the, my first thought. Um, and that probably is a, a midfielder. Um, oh, interesting. I think if we're looking at... We're looking at a midfield three. It's most likely we're going to continue with that. That's generally going to be the case. Um, so I think what we're lacking now, if, you, if you're talking about going to the Premier League, where you're going to have that less dominant kind of performance than what we've had this season. We're not going to have the ball as much, most likely. Um, we're going to want someone that can that can cover the ground, like we have with Abdullah Decore. I think we need to be looking at someone that's an athletic midfielder that's got some talent on the ball, perhaps a box-to-box midfielder that can kind of help you out. Because right now, Philip Zinconega has been filling in there. Um, you can't really rely on someone like Tom Cleverley's fitness there throughout the course of the season. You have to have someone that's going to be playing a lot of minutes for you. Uh, and I think right now that's been an area of weakness for us. And Dan Gosling's come in and he's 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 done a good job there too. Um, but I think if you're going to upgrade any position, I'm definitely looking at midfield. Um, I've also got some concerns about striker depth and also on the wing too. Um, if I was looking at one position to upgrade, it could be that. Even centre-back too, there are some question marks. There's a lot to cover in regards of recruitment mm. and things you could do and where you can balance things out. But I think for me... We want to save some back for, for future pods, but... And as I said as I said earlier, we're covering it very briefly. If we're talking about the real kind of you know ins and outs of what we need and why we need it, that's, that's an hour-long discussion in itself, especially if you start recommending players too, which we'll definitely get to in, in the summertime and the off-season. But for now, as we're talking about it, I, I do think that someone that's able to, to help you out offensively, defensively, because midfield is the position where you can contribute to both attack and defence, isn't it? And we're going to be in, 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 in the games when we play and we're going to need someone that can do both. And right now, we've got some good pieces in midfield, but I think we're just missing that final kind of that final piece that allows us to kind of get up the pitch and also sit back a little bit deeper. Someone like Abdullah Decore that was 
very much a two-way player, wasn't he? He was someone that could get forward and contribute, but his interceptions and his athleticism helped us defensively too. And if you throw us into Premier League now, if you think about those games against teams that come to Vicarage Road and look to dominate the ball, those away games, we're maybe lacking someone that can press with that, that aggression and, and close opposition down, but have the quality on the ball uh, when we're in attacking situations as well. How about you, Tom? I was going to say centre-forward, so I'm actually pleased to hear that Jordan mentioned it as well. Purely because I think Joao Pedro, good job though, he's done. It's still very, very, it's easy to forget how young he actually is. A lot of the time he's still, you know, developing. Is you know, I think there's still some sort of debate to be had over whether his out-and-out long-term position is as a centre-forward. Um, you know, Troy Deeney we've done to death, but I don't think you want to be starting him week out, week in, week out of the Premier League. That's, 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 a, that's a big one actually, Tom. I just want to pick you up on that. Is Troy Deeney's Watford career kind of done nah, for you? Or, he's, or do you no, no, he's got... no, 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 no chance. He'll be here next season. He's got a year left on his contract. No one's going to be foolish enough to take him on that contract. He's, you know, big dick on campus. Everybody loves him. He's important off the field. He'll come on. He's great in the sense of the intangibles that he does. And he is good in the sense of... Someone that can come on and just, you know, battle away in the corner and help you defend the lead, I think. Do I want him starting week in, week out? Am I expecting him to get 10 non-penalty goals in a season? Not a chance. How much did he embrace that role? That's, no, that's not question, at all. Exactly. We, yeah, exactly. If, if that's the problem, about, isn't it? <laughs> if we're talking about what, what role we'd put Troy in... I was watching on Hive Live Extra after the, um, after, after the game today. And he struck a... A pose that was very, very similar to um, to how a reserve goalkeeper might behave in a in a, in a in a championship win. You know, like they're happy, but at the same time, and he was quite he was quite open about this. He he said it felt very different for him because he felt like he'd almost not really played a part, and he absolutely did because he, you know he. He he was there in games and and you know won us games as well. I mean there was a there was period, that whole period where, wasn't yeah, there? There was definitely a period That's where it. you know his penalties were getting us through. But at the same time, I can see what he's coming from because he wasn't as instrumental as he has been in previous seasons, and it probably does feel a bit different for him this year. Mm-hmm. It does, and it's just it's one thing when you're injured. It's one thing we're not getting chosen, especially as, as someone that's they're the captain of the club. You know they have ambitions to play and. It's hard to it's hard to accept regression as a player as a person. It's hard to to accept that you're not performing or able to perform at the level you once were. Now, but we all it's difficult. Our judgments all all cloud, always clouded because we do have a strong affiliation for Troy, and you know everyone respects what what he's done regardless of where he is now. But the the real truth of the matter is he's not able to contribute for ninety minutes as regularly as he once was at the level he once was able to perform at he's just simply not and you have to be you have to be blunt with that and i don't know i don't know if troy's willing to accept that yet and maybe i'm wrong maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe troy is able to 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 kind of bounce back a little bit but i think there has to be some work there's some work to be done there um and i don't think for now especially after this season being able to bounce back in the first time of asking i don't think it should be a given that Troy is starting up front for us at all because we've seen there are other ways of going about it. And to have a real competitive edge and to be able to feel like you're progressing as a club, you have to be open to the fact of, of 
of playing with different options and no one should be guaranteed a spot regardless of history um, or current kind of presence at the club off the field. I think you have to be open-minded and to, to resign yourself to to playing a single player, you shouldn't you shouldn't be in that position at our stage of our development as a club, I think. Sorry, Tom, I interrupted you there when you were going on to Andre Gray. So what was your thoughts on him? Oh, I'll just never see him in a Watford shirt again. I think it'll be too soon. After that bloody, the Norwich game, we didn't, um, oh, we did our individual bits off Norwich, didn't we? And I forgot to mention this, but that bloody chance that Chalabar set him up for, just even it's if a great you balloon it in the... Hanley, but... Oh, it was, yeah. But even if you balloon it in, out the bloody stand, quite frankly, at least get a connection on the sodding ball. But oh my goodness, it just spoke of a striker that was so low on confidence that he didn't even get it. If you get a shot off and you smash it out the bloody ground, fine. At least you had a, you got to buy a ticket to the lottery. He didn't even buy a ticket to the lottery. He didn't even make it to the supermarket or the corner shop. He, you know, it was so bad in that respect. And Jordan was right when he said Grant Hanley, it was a very good tackle from the position he was in. But, oh, I just think, do you know what? For his well-being as a human being and as a footballer, I just think it needs to be a clean break this summer, doesn't it? Because yeah. I there's a player... I just don't do that, Tom. How do we, how no, do we I don't know. That? That's it, exactly. Exactly. It's so hard, isn't it? Because of the financial aspect. But I just... I don't know, can, can we start a GoFundMe or something and, and give the club the money to pay him off? I, I don't know. But just something has to be done because he's a footballer and he deserves to play and be happy, but he's just stinkingly low on I think I have a good idea and it's called a loan and it's called part, part payment of wages and it's called a different club, probably in the championship. That's the only way, isn't that's it? That's the only way. I think you're looking at that, honestly. And there was talk, wasn't there, when we were in the Premier League of Leeds, we were interested in him at one point, uh, I think maybe in January, the last season. And that sort of deal is the most likely and it's tough. It's hard to it's hard to watch. And what I will say for Andre, I do think he's given, I, I do genuinely think he's given his all this season. Oh, I, I don't think he's good enough, but I, I do think he's tried. And you saw... It's just so classic. The the loot in the way game where he scored that last minute equaliser that oh, no. wasn't. And you could tell how much that you could see how physically pained he was and that was disallowed. I do sympathise with the guy in some respects. I really, I yeah. do. It was hard to watch that. And I think he has tried, but I mean, it, it's you can't get too sentimental in these situations and the club have to look at him as an asset as well as a person and a player. And if you're talking about this sort of situation in, in the current climate we're in is someone that we can't be carrying unnecessarily. And we've got ourselves in the situation where the contract is not easy to get out of, get out of because we've given him such a high contract and his value's decreased heavily since we signed him. Um, but what you can do is you can mitigate some of that. Uh, and it, if you, I think just getting him off the books at this point, if we're going to be bringing someone else in, we've, we've talked about a striker is, is someone we need to possibly be bringing in this summer. And you don't want to add that as well as, as Andre Gray, because for me, I'm slightly surprised he's been there ahead of the likes of uh, Stipe Pericia, for example, um, as it is. But I think if you're bringing someone else in, you're not looking at Andre Gray as being in that top three or you know second choice or even first choice striker. And you can't be paying someone that amount and when you're not even using them. And I think this season, we've, we've barely even used them this season. And when we have, it's been to very varying degrees of success. Uh, it's it's just not a situation that's good for us. I think we have to try and find a way out of it as, as best we can. You mentioned you mentioned Luton there, and I think that would be a good club for him to go to. I mean, it's got a fan base there that already yeah. like him. That they're, they're you know they have fond memories of his time with them before. 
I think that that kind of mid-table club is it could be what he needs. Somewhere where he yeah. doesn't have pressure to perform. It, it in the same though, way that it? he does for 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 you know a top level club. Um, I doubt anyone in the Premier League would take a chance on him. Uh, but I think you know Championship is his level at the minute. Um, I just don't think it's clicking for him here and he needs that opportunity to go and play somewhere else and I wish him the best of luck but I just don't think it's going to be with us next season if he decides to stay around uh, I don't think he's going to get much game time I honestly yeah. don't I honestly don't but well as we touched on before though we've, we've many times we talked about Andre Gray you talk about him as a player and you you know the first thing that comes up is he's a very specific sort of player he's he, he's, he's not a great finisher in a sense his, his, finish, his finishing is all about number of chances and he'll, he'll just try and strike the ball hard and try and beat the keeper most of the time you're not looking at a clinical finish you're looking at someone that thrives off number of chances um and he, he also thrives off, off a specific style of play now it's not really worth it for most teams for the returns you get from andre gray for playing that style of play that style of play it's not necessarily worth it for most clubs to adapt their whole operation to to focus on benefiting off andre gray especially when we were a club like like as we are currently now with our squad, we have a lot of Ishmael Assad, Jao Pedro, even Ken Semmer. You're not going to be setting yourself up to play off Andre. Maybe if he went to a team where he was more of a focal point, where he was one of the kind of standout players, where he can be a goal scorer, but you have to kind of stick to those principles. And for us, we're not going to accumulate enough points over the course of the season by doing so. So it's just a bad fit. And I think that that has to go down to the recruitment team because Andre Gray was a known quantity when we signed him. He's not come here and performed in a different manner to what we'd expect, given the scenario he's been put in. Um, we, we didn't expect him to be a technical footballer. We expect him to be someone that could play on the break, play direct. You play vertical to him, and he'll he'll get you a few goals just by playing in that in that manner. But we try to do, do different things, and, and this is also something we have to we have to discuss in regards to our recruitment team and and also the head coaches we have. We, it's much easier for a recruitment team to, to to get players in for a coach that they know and they know who's going to be in charge. And, and previously, we've kind of been quite up in the air and we haven't really found a specific way of signing players for a specific system. And then you bring the coaches in to fit that. So it's all finding that balance. And I think Andre Gray just really epitomizes the time of the club's development where we were kind of in that in-between phase. And we tried to make a sign. We tried to take a next step. But I think our, I think our foresight was a little bit off on that one. And we're still kind of paying for it a little bit now. Nice one. Okay, well, uh, that's a little bit there on on players. So we've answered uh, a, a lot of questions that have come in here for us to talk about it. We will talk about it more going forward. Don't worry. This is this is this is just us scratching the surface. But we uh, we can't get too carried away here because the season isn't done. Um, we have achieved our main objective, which is uh, uh, you know going up. But um, the title is still on the table, and all. Although it is very unlikely at this stage that Watford can can take the title away from Norwich, mathematically it's still there. We would need to win both our games against both Brentford and Swansea and and hope that Norwich slip up. But if they do, that title could be ours. And you know what, guys? I know I know I'm I'm maybe talking about something that doesn't matter to people. I don't know. But the thing is, when Watford have gone up in the past, at least in my history as a Watford fan, it's always been either through the playoffs or second place. And I am dying for us to win something. I want us to win something. I've never seen us win something. Please, can we win something? So I'm, I'm still hoping that it's possible. But I, I know, I know it's unlikely. I'm with you. It's you know, I've said all along. Just get up. Don't care how. 
now we've actually done it with two games to go, it would be it would be sensational, wouldn't it? I don't think it's going to happen. To be honest, Norwich won again today, and then it takes quite a swing, but. Mm. It would be lovely to do it, but yeah, I'd probably just about maintain my position of we're up. That's all that matters. Um, I don't care. I don't care. Last time I cared. This time I don't care. Last <laughs> time we built for that. We built for that run. We spent years developing, years kind of getting ourselves in a situation to really push for that automatic promotion. I think the first year under Zola, we kind of overachieved. The second year we made some mistakes, I think. And the third year, that was our time to go up and we, we were in that position to win the league and we messed it up. You know, it was that it we, we made mistakes that felt costly and we should have done better. This year, we were so desperate to go back up. I think it was all about just getting second and it doesn't you know that the end of the I'm I'm not sure if you guys were there on the final day against Wednesday. Mm. Um in the, the season we got promoted. But it felt very bittersweet. There, there was some positivity about getting promoted, but it felt like we had to kind of force it because we were gutted about losing out on, on that first place. Today, I don't feel that at all. I, I don't feel disappointed. Um, it would be nice to win the league, don't get me wrong, but I, I think it's just about getting out. And I think it was mission accomplished. We set the goal of getting out of the league regardless of how we did it. And we, we, we've done it with two games left. And that's enough for me. But having said that, I do want to see how we perform now because I think it's an opportunity to uh, to kind of you know maybe try a few different things and see how we how we develop and maybe try a few different players. But in terms yeah. of just getting out, it's job done and it's a huge relief for everyone. And you know what, I I just I just don't feel as bad as I did the last time. I suppose those are the two different the two different camps to be in from this point onwards, isn't it? I mean, you could either go hell for leather to try and get the points and, and just hope Norwich slip up. Or, like you say, Jordan, this could be the chance now to experiment a little bit. We've got two games against two good teams, albeit teams that aren't really, you know, consistent at the minute. And that's part of the reason why Watford have been able to, to, to clinch second ahead of them, because let's make no bones about it. Whilst Watford have been good, they have been benefiting from the fact that Swansea and, and Brentford can't get that run together, which uh, has been very helpful for us as Hornets. But um, do we do we now, you know, look to play the likes of, I don't know, a Hungbo perhaps who could come into the team? Even even Zinkenegel on the wing. Yeah, Zinkenegel like, on know, the wing. That would why not? be fun. Like, these are these are options. These are options you can these are options you can try. Ben Walmart, centre back. Why not? You know, find out what you have. We talk about we talked about earlier, like understanding what you have at your disposal, having an idea of what your assets are, trying to manage what you need, what you don't need. You have to do due diligence, and and this is a way of doing so. If you have two games left, two competitive games against third and fourth, or that's not even the case now with it, with Bournemouth is it fifth and sixth, whatever it is. Anyway, <laughs> you you have, you have the opportunity to find out what these players are, and you know it might be an, an, a way of establishing what you need to do in the summer. Um, maybe that's overdramatic, maybe it's not quite that, but why not? Why not try these things? Because we have the freedom to do so. And I do think, too, we, we're playing with a freedom now because we don't have that pressure. I'm not concerned about us losing the game. I don't think we'll lose the games. If we do, we do. But for me, I'm trying these things. I'm, I'm giving these players a go, 100%. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about that first one, then. Uh, Brentford coming up next. And uh, of course, we're uh, big fans of of David Anderson, who who has a, a great uh, pod as well. Is it at, at Beast Tactical? Is that right, Jordan? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, at, at Beast Tactical at David Anderson. I'm sure we'll probably do be doing something with him. Yeah, we, uh, for we, the preview pod, most likely. We probably will. Um, yeah, 
But um, if you accept that, if you're if you're listening, David, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in contact with you shortly. But I'm sure we'll get something going for that stuff. So like. It, I mean, that's the next game up. Where do Watford need to? I suppose. I mean, I'm talking like we're still we're still in the hunt for the promotion, even though we've secured it. But let's pretend that we haven't secured it yet. Where, what do Watford need to do based on today's performance to to um, to improve against Brentford? I, I think the I think the level of performance is down to the pressure. Honestly, I think there's it's hard. You can't eradicate the the occasion from your mind and and try and separate it from the from the game itself it's extremely difficult to do so and i think against against brentford we're going to we're going to have that freedom we don't have the pressure and i think a watford team based in this current squad without pressure that they're, they're strong um and i think that's a worse situation for brentford to come up against i know brentford obviously secured their playoff spot um today didn't they win that win over over bournemouth mm. but swansea for example they're going to have to come there to win most likely because they're you know they're hanging on to playoff positions right now um, but for Brentford, I'll be using that as a test just to just to test these players, as I said. And I think you just look to give them that freedom to play and, and see what happens, really. Um, I wouldn't change too, too much. I think the foundations are there to to, to improve and capitalise on, on a team that's been quite up and down. They've struggled to convert these kind of draws into wins. And they did against Bournemouth today, which is obviously a good sign for them. But they're going to want to try and keep that run going and try and keep that momentum going into the playoffs. But honestly, I'm just even just talking about it. I'm so glad we're not in the playoffs right now. <laughs> yeah. Just so relieved not to be thinking about our next fixture in the playoffs. It's just yeah, it's very positive for us. Tom, any final thoughts before we before we wrap up this pod, which has probably gone a bit longer than we expected it to? Uh, well, what you know, good good as reason as any to do it. I just think above all else, I'm just I'm relieved because I I don't think it would have been fun next season, would it? This season's been quite fun because we've obviously won a lot of games, and unlike Brentford and Swansea, we've not had that kind of wretched run of poor form. I suspect we wouldn't be looking at such a fun reality next season. So to be going up to the Premier League and have something to look forward to, and hopefully, obviously, getting back into the ground. Jordan, obviously, uh, unlikely to given his location um it's you know it's 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 very positive and it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a celebration isn't it when we can finally get back into vicarage road so bring it on yeah that's a, that's a good point tom actually i i've actually seen a few people on twitter saying something along the lines of oh good back to fighting for 10th place again i, I mean it is a little bit of a, a downer isn't it when you think about it like this yes we're back in the premier league we're back in the league that that matters that everyone cares about in this in this, in this uh, country at least I mean it, uh, we're certainly after a season of the championship like you said at the very start Tom you're, you're no longer in the uh, in the discussion around the office water cooler are you although uh, this season it's been the, the, the office Zoom conversation but um, it's uh, you know it's a bit depressing thinking we're now going to be going back thinking to ourselves oh if we can get in uh, you know into the top 10 that's a good season I, I want to be I want to be trying to win things again like we were this season, but, you know, it's just unrealistic, isn't it? I think the thing is, we were building, building gradually and heading in the right direction before, and then we made some kind of fairly poor decisions, didn't we? And and we paid the price for it. There's no reason why we can't break that top 10 over, the, you know, over a course of a few seasons. I'm, I'm sure we probably won't do it first season back up, but there's no reason why we can't do it over, a, you know, three, four seasons with right, the right decision. So hopefully, you know, when they talked about learning lessons beforehand, they, they, this is when we will see it. Um, because I, I think, you know, there are a lot of teams that are much of a muchness in the Premier League after the kind of top four or five. You know, there's, um, 
there's there's an opportunity there. So yeah, hopefully that is the case. Um, but obviously, first season, we just need to get up there and stay up there, don't we? What do you reckon, Jordan? Does it bother you much that um, we're going back to, uh, to to fighting for the top ten again? I mean, I understand the reservation from fans in that respect. Obviously, you want to be winning the amount of games we've been winning this season to get promoted. That's ultimately what you want to see. But I think this year, more than ever, you can really understand the importance financially for the club. And if we hadn't got promoted this season, you could be looking at a five-year period before you're actually ready to build and go again because we'd have to really strip assets and and find ways to make money from places. And it, it could have been really costly for the club. So whilst I can appreciate that that concern, I think this year mitigates that heavily just from this, the outside circumstances. And it, it's, it's different. It's just simply different. I, I think we're going to have to... I think we can be positive too because we've we've got somewhat of a track record of of being quite good in the Premier League, especially under Javi Gracia. We, you know, we had a good run. We can improve. We've got a lot of the same players there that can still contribute and... I don't think he has to be too negative about it. Ultimately, we want our club to be competing at the top level. And I think now is the time to do so. And as I said, the the, the rewards you get for doing it, they're so so crucial right now. And I, I'm I'm not concerned about that too, too much. As much as it's great, it's been great to watch them go to every game you can't expect them to win. It's been refreshing. What we talked about, and Tom mentioned right at the beginning, beginning of the podcast there, it's nice to go down to the championship and win those games, some of a reset, but we have to be grateful and have to understand how difficult a task it was to get back up because it could have very, very easily gone a different way. You're not guaranteed to go down and win in the, win in the championship. Ask, ask Stoke, ask these teams that have taken years to, to, to rebuild, even Swansea. They've taken a long time to kind of get themselves in position to even challenge for promotion. And we did it in the first time of asking. So enjoy this season and, and look ahead to next season with some positive, some positivity because there is reason to be so. Good stuff. Okay, well, we're going to go off now and have another beer. And I heard that Tom is going to jump in a pond. Uh, not the pond in Watford. It's going to be his own pond in his own back garden just because he feels left out. Uh, so from Jordan, Tom and myself, thanks for listening to us this season. We're not done yet. Two more games to go. And I'm sure you'll hear from us next season as well. In fact, we'll have plenty of stuff out in the in the, in the in between because, well, you know, we probably can't, can't spend a week without chatting to each other now. We've done it pretty much for the most of the season. So thanks again for listening to us. We'll be back again after the Brentford game. But before we go, let's just do it one more time. We've done it, guys. We've done it. We've only got and done it. We've got back into the Premier League. Oh, get in. You ones. Woohoo. Ba ba da da ba. Celebrate good times. Come on. Do do do. Celebrate good times. Come on. Celebrate good times.